Um, yeah, as Jebson mentioned, I'm going to be taking us back into our series on Philippians, which is great. Um, and we've been doing a series called Living in Joy. And specifically this week, I'm going to be talking about um, knowing Christ, knowing God. Um, and so just before I get, Irfan's going to read in Farsi as well as I'll read in English. Um, I'm just going to read a little blurb that helps us understand Philippians a bit more. So um, Philippians is about contentment. Paul had learned the secret of this attitude and he revealed it to the Philippians as well. While under house arrest, Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians to thank some dear friends who had sent him some money. In this letter, he tells them about a joy that does not depend upon external circumstances because it is rooted in Jesus Christ who gives it freely. Paul began by expressing his thanks to Philippians after describing some problems he was facing in Rome. Paul revealed his uncertainty over his future, whether he would be executed or released. And despite his uncertainty, however, Paul remained confident in the face of death, for he trusted in Christ. Paul then painted a picture of Christ's humility and urged the Philippians to follow this example. Paul digressed for a bit and warned his readers against relying upon external qualifications for their faith and then ended it in some thanks to some people around them. So this is the kind of background of what we're reading today, background of what um, Paul wrote to the Philippian church, but I just want uh, Irfan to come and read it in Farsi as we've been doing um, every week. We've been getting a different language to read, so it's really great that Irfan would like to read Thank a Farsi. You. So go ahead. Hello, everyone. My name is Irfan. Just I'm going to read in Farsi. Okay, should I start? Yeah, go for it. Diğerinkey از نوشتن و تکرار آنچه قبلا نوشته بودم خسته نمی شوم زیرا میدانم که این برای امنیت شماست از آن سکها و کارهای پس ایشان و آنانی که برای مختون نمودن یعنی بریدن عضوی از بدن اصرار دارند برحذر باشید زیرا ما مختونان واقعی هستیم نه آنها زیرا ما به وسیله روح خدا را میپرستیم و به مسیح افتخار می کنیم و به امتیازات ظاهری اتکایی نداریم اگرچه من حق دارم که به این مزایا متکی باشم اگر دیگران تصور میکنن که حق دارن به امتیازات ظاهری متکی باشن من حق بیشتری دارم من در هشتمین روز تولد خود ختنه شدم و به طور مادرزاد اسرائیلی از تایفه بنیامین و, و یک ابرانی اصیل هستم از لحاظ رعایت شریعت فریسی بودم و از لحاظ تعصب به کلیسا آزار میرسانیدم و مطابق معیارهای شریعت من یک مرد بیعیب محسوب میشدم اما هرچه به نفع من بود آن را به خاطر مسیح ضرر محسوب میکنم آری علاوه بر این همه چیز را به خاطر امتیازی بسیار ارزنده یعنی شناختن عیسی مسیح خداوند خود زیان میدانم در واقع من به خاطر او همه چیز را از دست دادهام و همه چیز را هیچ شمردم تا به این وسیله مسیح را به دست آورم و کاملا با او متحد شوم من دیگر به نیکی خود که از آنچه مقررات شریعت به دست میآید متکی نیستم بلکه به وسیله ایمان به مسیح دارای نیکی مطلق شدم این نیکی بر ایمان استوار و از خدا سرچشمه میگیرد یگان آرزوی من این است که مسیح را کاملا بشناسم و قدرت قیامت او را در وجود خود درک کنم و در رنجهای او شریک گشته و در مرگ او همشکل او شوم به این امید که من نیز به رساخیز از مردگان نایل گردم. Okay. Amazing. Thank you so much. 
Now, for the Farsi uh, brothers and sisters in the room, I hope that was really helpful for you guys um, because we always read in English, so it's great to get some other languages in there as well. Um, yeah, so I'm now going to read it in English. So for all of us in the room here, that's their first language. That'll be really helpful. Um, but the priceless value of knowing Christ. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ, has, Christ Jesus has done for us and we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone in, could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law, and I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him in sharing in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Wow. Some of Paul's words there are really difficult to kind of comprehend in our context today, but I'm going to hopefully unpack that and allow us to step into it. So what we've just read is an encouragement. It's an encouragement from Paul. It's also a slight warning to some of the things that were going on at the time. It's an instruction and it's also just about the priceless value of knowing Christ and forsaking all others. Paul's instruction is firsthand from living it out, from knowing it and actually walking in it as well and really for the, to the topic today knowing Christ knowing God the best way for us to do that is to kind of understand who God is a little bit so if we looked at all the names of God I've got a bit of a wordle yeah I mean it's just a fun little wordle that'll have all the names but there's so many more names than that list can I just say some of the names that I kind of thought of were Messiah friend brother Jehovah Alpha and Omega Redeemer faithful one worthy one Lord of Lords King of Kings, honestly, the list is infinite. So if I was trying to go through all the names of God, we would, we would be sat here for eternity because there's just so many to understand and know. But actually, that kind of says a lot about God's character. He is, in, in some ways, he feels like he's unknowable because he's so vast, he's so incomprehensible to our human minds. But actually, in that, we get to know him a bit more. When we, when we live out these words, when we can hear who he is, um, and actually, uh, just a little story about knowing God. To my embarrassment, I was in a school classroom with uh, some, some young people here with another youth worker. And to do like, kind of ice break the room, he was like, all right, so everyone who feels like they know that, that everything that there is to know about God, can you stand on this side of the room? And then everyone who feels like they don't know anything about God, stand on this side of the room. 
And I was really naive and I was really smug. And I went and stood all the way over there. And it wasn't until I turned around and saw all these young people like huddled into this corner that I was like, what am I talking about? I don't know. I don't even know an inch of what there is to know about God because he is so vast. But actually I'm enjoying figuring out and learning things about him, him revealing them to me and being on that journey. So um, in knowing, I want you to think of one person who knows you really well. So it could be anyone, could be a family member, could be a spouse, could be a, a really good friend that just knows you, knows what you've been through, knows what you're going through, knows what your desires are, your prayers, all of those things knows it all. And for me, it's my twin sister, Lydia. So for a little fun fact, me and Lydia are identical twins. So it means that we shared the same sack in our mother's womb. So I've known Lydia for a long time. We've known each other a long, long time. And actually, it's quite funny because you can meet people and they'll say, oh, yeah, me and her, we're friends. We've been friends since birth. But quite literally, me and Lydia have been friends since conception. We've known each other from the very beginning. And it's really interesting because we lived together and lived our life like basically the same for our first 18 years of life. And we, we went to school together, we shared a room together, we, had, we did things together, but there was a lot of our lives that we didn't live together. We had different classrooms, different friends, different hobbies. When we were both like 16, 17, we both had different boyfriends. So there was a whole chunk of our life that we didn't share. And so actually it kind of shows that I didn't really know everything that there is to know about Lydia and she didn't know everything that there is to know about me. My point is whoever you thought of as who knows you the most, actually there's a lot to you that they don't know. They don't know your desires, they don't know your thoughts, they don't know all of your prayers. And I think even if we're trying to do a competition about it, no one can compare to who God is and how he knows you. In the Bible, it says that he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows you're coming and going. He knows uh, when you are low and when you are feeling good. He knows everything about you. There's so much to know about you and he knows it all. In Jeremiah 1.5, it says, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. That's a pretty big God that we can, can talk about, can worship. He knows everything about us. And in knowing that he knows us, we can actually get to know him. We can go deeper in the truth of who he is. And even in this first verse that we read in Philippians, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Whatever it is you're going through, rejoice in the Lord. In celebration, rejoice. In frustration, rejoice. In gladness, rejoice. In mourning, rejoice in the Lord. And that's really easy to say but quite honestly it's not as easy to live out but why do we why do we rejoice why is it important so we can pretend that things aren't difficult you know it's just Michelle was sharing before I, we can all put our hand up and say I'm not doing well at the minute so why do we say rejoice well it's not because we're pretending that everything is fine but actually to rejoice is to live in the freedom that Christ has given us. To rejoice is to say yes to him and no to the things that we would usually consume our thoughts. 
Paul is saying here that he'll never get tired of telling the Philippians to rejoice and that he does it to keep them safe. But also, how much do we need reminding of simple truths? How much can we forget that truth to rejoice in him because of our work life, because of our busyness, because of just family life? We can so easily forget to rejoice in the Lord. So it's such a good thing to remind ourselves to come back to him and rejoice in him. So knowing Christ is also discerning truth. I don't know if anyone recognised some of the language that Paul was saying there, watch out for the dogs. It's a bit of a mean way to say watch out for like certain mean people. But we can read this and try and fit it to our context of like, oh, who are the dogs? Who are the evildoers in my life? You know, who are they and how can I watch out for them? But I think we need to go back to school and I'm just going to bring us through the context of what he's saying here. So the context of those verses when Paul is saying watch out is actually he's referring to a people group called the Judeas. Now they were involved in the early church kind of planting and moving around and stuff and they were actually really problematic because they were very legalistic Jews. If you don't know what that means, it just basically means all they cared about was laws and ticking the boxes to make sure that they completed everything that they needed to complete. And they claimed to believe in the gospel, but added their own works and traditions to it. Their main doctrine was that you don't need to just believe in Christ, but you also must keep the law. And especially as we read circumcision. So if you don't know as well, in the Old Testament, circumcision was the thing that actually God called his people into as it was an outward physical sign of the eternal covenant between God and the Jewish people. So they're basically saying, if you don't follow these laws, if you don't th do the things that I'm asking you to do, you can't be saved. But that's not the case at all. It's the whole reason why Jesus came to release us from the, the, strengths that, the constraints that the law had on us. Actually, with the freedom that Christ has given us, we can step into relationship with him. And if this is interesting you and you think, oh, I want to read more about that, Romans 2 verses 17 to 29 discusses it in greater detail. It says it's no longer a matter of the flesh, but of the heart. God desires our heart to be in the right place before him after all that he's done for us. And then when Paul says in verse 3, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us and we put no confidence in human effort. It's actually by the Spirit. It's by accepting Christ into our hearts, into our lives, that we can truly live in accordance to his will, to his promise and to his plan. And even just later, as, as I read before, Paul gives his testimony, his experience of living in this legalistic way of life. Actually, he said, if anyone's confident about living in legalistic virtues, it's me. I was born pure blood Jew. I, I was part of the Pharisees, which is this religious group who tell people to keep the Jewish law. And I also was so following the Jewish law that I persecuted and killed Christians. But Paul can say from experience that obeying the law kept him from the freedom that Christ gives us. It kept him from true righteousness um, that we can live in. And it's not just knowing Christ, but actually he realized knowing Christ meant that he was living in worthlessness before he was living in nothingness before. So Paul had lived in this place of thinking he was following truth until he met Christ and it changed everything. 
So in this poll is warning us about these specific people that can kind of come and mislead us. And obviously it's this specific context, but I think we are, once we know the context, we're allowed to bring it back into our situation. How does this impact us? What, what might be Paul, what might be God saying to us about these verses? And I think social media is like a big place that we can get all of our like, you know, new kind of doctrine, theology, all that stuff. And, and I just want to encourage or challenge you, is everything that you're taking in the truth of what this Bible says, you know, are you looking at what this person's saying in accordance to scripture and are you able to bring it back to God and say, no, I want to live in truth. I want to live in your word. So that's just a, a bit of a challenge for you, if that's the case. Um, knowing Christ, he is the prize. Paul goes on to say that everything is worthless except from Christ. And I'm just going to reread verse seven and eight. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. That's like a pretty big thing to say that he's going to start doing to live in that. But I don't know everyone's story in the room. I don't know why you're here today, but I know that actually God's brought you here today. He wants to speak to you in particular. And actually God wants you to know that he knows you. As I said, those verses before, he knows every hair that is on your head. He knows he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And when before I asked you to think of the person that you feel like best knows you, every time Jesus wins, hands down. There's no competition. There's no worthy opponent of who could maybe beat, you know, knowing God. It's always going to be Jesus. And God wants you to know that he knows you and he chose you. God came down in human form as we kind of express when we're doing co uh, the communion. And it's not just that he wanted to do some special trick because he's God, but he had a mission. It was to live on this earth. It was to serve others and it was to die on that cross in our place to restore the relationship between God and his people and to defeat death and rise again on the third day. That's why we can rejoice in communion as well as reflect on what Jesus has done because in that we have life. And actually Jesus rising again on the third day signifies that it's only through him that we can have resurrection life. It's only through him that we can have eternal life. For us to declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and just turn away from the lives that we've been leading and to embark on the journey that is knowing Christ. Knowing Christ and living our life for him is truly the best thing we can do. I can say from experience, just things that I've had to go back and forth between, I know that actually knowing Jesus in those moments was the best thing and going to him was the best thing that I could do. There's a parable that Jesus shares in the gospel in Matthew 13, 44. He says, the kingdom of God, knowing, knowing God basically is what the kingdom of God is, is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. That is what is worth knowing Christ for, selling everything and saying that we want to live our life for him. Finding Jesus is suddenly realizing that you've been living your life in black and white and then suddenly it's in HD, it's in multicolor. It's like the lights have turned on. It's like um, that old hymn by John Newton, I once was blind, but now I see. 
we're never going to know all there is to know about God, as my embarrassing example before me standing on the edge of that room. But actually, as we, as we begin to step into this relationship with him, he just reveals things to us. It's like those list of names that I put on earlier. He bit by bit wants to reveal he is the healer, he is the provider, he is the strengthener, he is the faithful one. And we get to live in that blessing of knowing him and him revealing himself to us. But it isn't just the blessing of knowing him, but actually, as Paul says, we're being clothed in garments of righteousness. We get to look different to the world. Paul says, I have become one with him. Once we we become one with him, we start living that way. There's things in our life that start to to creep up and we realize, actually, I want to lay that down because I choose Jesus. Our life looks different. Um, The way we live in this world looks different as a result of us knowing him. Michelle shared about uh, Tim and Gemma's wedding yesterday, which was amazing. But I have to say, it was the sixth wedding that I've been to this year. And I was quite weddinged out, to be honest. I was like, I'm really done with this. They're expensive, they're long. But also, actually, when it's a Christian wedding, there's so much joy. It's an amazing time to like come together with this couple that you know and you love and actually just see them say, no, we choose Jesus in our marriage. We lay that before him. And the first wedding that I went to this year was back in July. And I'll be honest, it was quite a painful one because um, there was a person that was invited to that wedding that isn't any no no longer in my life anymore. Not for any particular reason other than the fact that God just hasn't planned us to be in each other's lives. And I was really anxious because I was like, oh, it's like, I know it's just anyone that you've, it's not beef or anything like that, but anyone you just feel like, oh, I don't know if I want to see them again. Like it just felt like that. And I drove to Manchester the night before because it was in Manchester. And on the day we were driving to the wedding, we're on the motorway and I've got this car full of people and I'm feeling really anxious. I'm like, God, like give me strength today. I don't want to see this person. Um, And then literally in the fast lane, and my left side wing mirror, like the actual mirror itself, just started like shaking. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden it completely flew off the car, smashed into a million pieces on the motorway. Praise the Lord, there was no crashes behind me because I just feel like that could have been terrible. But I was freaking out because I'm like, I need to drive back to London tonight and I don't have a left wing mirror, what the heck? Everyone in the car, was very helpful and they were my mirror basically to get off the motorway which was really good um, and then before this wedding I had enough time to go to Halfords praise the Lord got a new wing mirror everything's fine stress averted I can go back to London um, in one piece and then um, we had we had the wedding day it was really nice um, there was loads of cake there was loads of dancing all that stuff um, and I actually got to see this person again and it was all right but I was still really anxious and I didn't really like it but also like really sad because I think really I decided I wasn't going to talk to them because it wasn't going to be helpful for me to just let that thing go um, like indeed he was saying just to be able to let something go I just knew I can't actually entertain Um, a conversation with them. So I said goodbye to everyone because I was driving back to London at like 8 p.m. And it was really awkward because I had to say bye to this person and I just felt a bit uncomfortable about it. But um, got in my car, started driving to London and I just cried. I just cried so much. I like literally, you just think of someone who's weeping. That was me behind the wheel and it was awful. And it was like, it was everything. Um, And I was just driving. I'm like, hey, Becky, you need to pull yourself together. If you want to get to London, you need to like 
stop crying and calm down. So I just put some worship music on and I'm just driving down this village road and everything's fine. And then I see this red car coming towards me. I'm like, my car's in the middle of the road and he's going really fast, like what the heck? And I keep going, I'm like, oh, like trying to get more to my side, like, you know, hopefully he doesn't knock me or something. And he zooms right past me and my driver's side wing mirror flings off. And I was just like, what the heck? Had to stop the car, I honked, turned around, the guy just drove off. He didn't want to stop and say sorry or anything like that. So then I had to get out my car, pick up all these plastic bits of glass and everything like that that had just been totally crumbled on the floor. Then I had to like pull over and um, I found a home bargain somehow. Got some duct tape, duct taped the whole wing mirror together and then I had to drive to London and I was like, well, I cried again, obviously, and I'm just like <laughs> freaking out because I'm just no, not only an emotional mess, but now I'm like, how am I going to pay for this wing mirror? Like, and I need to use my car tomorrow. Like, I can't actually see how that wing mirror, what's going on. And then I just said, God, why would you let that happen? Why would you let both my wing mirrors in one day on a day like today break or be destroyed or just stress me out? And I just felt like he said, it's a humbling experience. Um, I don't want you to look back anymore. I want you to keep your eyes fixed on me. I want you to choose me and I will guide your path. I'll make sense of it all. I'll comfort you in your pain and your frustration and I will be there. Do not look back. God is so kind. <laughs> um, yeah. And I just, I just think that story, you know, it's, it's a great story. Like, I can just be like, God, you're so good. But I think it's specific for today for two people, two groups of people in the room. So we've talked about what Jesus has done on the cross. We've talked about knowing him and the freedom that can be in knowing him. Um, but I feel like there's two people in the room today, one of which you've never accepted Christ before in your life. This Jesus guy you've known of all your life and actually you are aware of him and you know you sing worship songs to him and stuff but you don't know him in the same way. You haven't encountered his, you haven't encountered the Holy Spirit, you haven't encountered the Father's love for you. And then I think there's another group of people that actually, yeah, you've been on this road similar to me, you've been driving this road, but actually you keep using your wing mirrors to look back at what God has brought you from. And he's just like, I don't want you to look back anymore. I want you to be all in. I want you to be sold out for me. So I'm just going to ask us all to close our eyes. And I just think if you were the first people group in that, you have never accepted Jesus before in your life. And you, to be honest, are a bit nervous about figuring out who he is. I just want you to raise your hand and just be like, yeah, I want to accept him. I want to choose him in my life. I want to follow him. I want to allow him to transform everything. So if that's you, I'll just ask you to raise your hand right now. Yeah, I see you. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Yeah, Father God, I thank you so much that you know us. Lord, I thank you so much that you chose us, that you died on that cross for us, that you love us immensely. God, and despite the things that we go through, despite the difficulties that we face, you just want us to, to draw close to you, Father. 
Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit right now, just enter this room, just touch the hearts of those who've just responded to that call, who just want to say, I want to accept Jesus in my life for maybe the fourth time, the fifth time or the first time ever. I want to know Jesus. I want to know you, God. And would you just fill me with your spirit now, Father? Amen. And if that's, if you are the second people group that you are driving on this road of following Jesus, but actually you keep looking back, um, just raise your hand also. And I'd just love to pray for you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, God, I thank you for these people who just raised their hand and those who actually feel similarly, but maybe yet haven't come to that conclusion that that's what's happening. Lord, I just pray, would you just touch their heart right now, Father? Would you just remove all obstacles and distractions from who you are? Don't do it as aggressively as you did it with me, Lord, but I just pray that you would speak to these people, remove those mirrors that help them look back at what you've brought them from and allow them to step into complete freedom, complete trust, complete just the unknown actually of following you, but in that being faithful to your word, obedient to what you've said and trusting that the path that you've got us on is the right path. Yeah, Lord, I thank you that actually you bring us out of our experiences like you have with Paul. You bring us into freedom. And Lord, I just pray now, would you speak to those hearts in the people in the room? Yeah, can I invite the worship band to come up? And just as we sing this last song, Lord, I just pray you would continue to minister into the hearts of us, Father. Would you continue to do what it is that you do best, where you reveal things of who you are, that you are provider, that you are enough, that you are Lord of Lords. And I just pray, Lord, that we would be able to worship you greater as a result of it. Despite our circumstances, despite our situations, you are King. We thank you, God, for who you are, how you love us, and I just pray you would speak more and more to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.